0: there's three Tim Hortons in Terrace. And I talked to the owner and he said, we get about a thousand cars a day through each of our drive throughs Well, there's only 18,000 people that live in Terrace. So clearly everybody goes to Tim Hortons. So I made these eight foot by four foot or whatever they are, banners with my face on it. And that's something I'd never done before. either as a broker's market, me, Adam Coltish. It was always a brand, you know, the name of our brokers, you know, call the company and then you'll talk to one of us. It's always been that approach. So I said, let's change all that and let's do call Adam Coltish, right? Mm -hmm. And because a lot of successful realtors do that, they want to work with Scott, then calling Scott, they want to work with Scott and Scott may have a team, but it's not some name that's not your name they're calling Scott Beckford.
1: The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Adam Coltish. Adam is the founder of BrokerAdvice.ca. He's a mortgage broker based on Northwestern, B.C., He's been in the business since 2012 and won lots of awards for just being very innovative. He also was the founder of a company called The Funding Department, and they ran that for a couple of years, and it was a mortgage company dedicated solely to helping people in the alternative space. They got that business huge. He just decided though that it wasn't what he wanted to do, even though it was working. And so a couple of things we talk about with Adam first, we talk about how he had to pivot. And so he pivoted back into prime mortgages in a small niche market. We talk about marketing in a small town. So in the 12 months that he was there, I was able to fund 190 mortgages almost from a cold start. He had some contacts, but not that much business certainly, and applied what Tim Ferriss calls the thunderclap to become the known expert in his market. And then finally, we talk about when is enough enough. So is more growth always better? Is more growth always more net profitable? So it was a very interesting conversation I had with Adam. I always love chatting with him. He's a very creative guy. I you mean, check out some of the stuff he does on Facebook. He's got some great videos and he's a brilliant marketer as well as mortgage broker. So check out this episode with Adam. I think you're going to dig it. And thanks again for checking out the show. Hey, Adam, welcome back to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. So I wanna chat, we got a couple different topics we're gonna cover, but the first one I wanna talk about is starting over from scratch and what you learned. So maybe walk me through kind of what happened there, how you started over from scratch, and then what are kind of the things that you've learned from that?
0: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, as you're in the industry, you're never really starting over from scratch. You know, I know the systems, I know the industry, I know the lenders, you know how to do files. I think for me, it was just kind of more like reinventing the brand. And what me operating as a broker looked like, meaning like, you know, I've had assistants and partners and, and, you know, a certain way that our workflow process took place, like how that always worked with all the different individuals involved. So, yeah, I mean, I guess when you're starting from scratch, it's like kind of just reinventing the wheel a little bit. but. You know, at least you're taking all that experience and knowledge with you. So, yeah,
1: you know, uh, so I'm not saying scratches in, but you basically yeah. did a pivot. So, you were going in one direction, which is, you know, you're doing the funding department. You guys are doing all this like business in terms of like, you know, B business. And then you pivoted and then we're like, okay, I'm going to go in a new direction. So, I guess that's what I mean. Yeah. By, it's not really scratch. Gotcha. Pivoted. So, maybe that's a better language. So, when you pivoted, mm-hmm. what made you decide to pivot from the funding department? Because you guys seem to be having success with it. You had like, you know, you're getting lots of clients and, you know, What were the factors that led you to decide to pivot into what you're doing now?
0: Well, at that time, I mean, we had done the funding department for a solid two, probably coming up three years. And I think we were just really taking a hard look at our funding ratios in so much as they were the tough deals. Right. And then we kind of took another look at the A side of business. And ended up merging, we merged with Alex, and took on the, all that A business. That was our vision at that time. And then for me personally, yeah, I uh, took a step back from the industry. And then when I stepped back into it, it was to focus on private lending. And then that all changed just with COVID, right? And loan to values being reduced significantly for a long period of time, you know, four, five, six Although months. Although
1: in hindsight, it would have been a perfect time because it certainly didn't affect lower values, right? Because I remember you'd came to me, yeah, you were doing, and then. Yeah, I'm sure that those would have been great, but in any case, you know.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, it was basically like jump back in to a side business and mortgage brokering. That's what happened basically a year and two months ago. And then at that time, I got the opportunity to say, okay, if I'm going to do it a business and operate as a full-time mortgage broker again, what's that look like? You know, what's the brand look like? Who am I working with? What are the people that I'm working with going to be doing in the deal flow process? What's the marketing look like? Where am I going to be doing it? And in this case, I took a big like step towards the northwest. I was up in Terrace, so Terrace, Kitimat, Prince Rupert, Smithers. That was absolutely the focus, even in our marketing, our wording, our SEO. It was being local and being there, and that was a cool way to do it. We never really identified. Geographically, like we're going to be involved right here. It's yeah, kind so of like a niche, right?
1: Hyper local. I remember seeing a video that you had of you had an axe and you're chopping wood and you threw the axe. It was awesome. I'm like, because you've always been good at that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, that is
0: creative. So, yeah, was it was one of those it did really like, well.
1: regional things that you focused on, right? Like being like, hey, I'm a local yeah. guy here, right? Yeah. Like that's how you did it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you know, and that was something that we'd kind of noticed over the years is that, you know, they say there's riches and niches, but it's kind of like if you're going to start out something, can you be laser focused right out of the gates? Whereas, you know, even in my career, when we started out, it's kind of like shotgun approach, garbage can approach. Let's just take as much as we can because you have you know financial pressure. You want to build your business. You want to start making money. So let's try to cast a net and get as much business as we can from wherever it can come from. We've done that before. And then it's kind of like you become laser focused and narrow your approach and the whole 80, 20 rule as you develop your business so getting started knowing all those things now i felt like that was an opportunity to hopefully be more efficient immediately
1: right yeah give me a couple thoughts from what you said there first off you went from a borrower type niche 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 to a regional type niche because when you were doing the b stuff that was on that and then and somebody's new we always say stay yes to everything when you start when you're new but the more yeah. experience you get the more volume you have you got to start saying no and that's when you narrow down on the niche but okay what i want to know is what did you learn from doing all that because you guys did a significant amount of like b type business and you mm-hmm. were going to go back into that but then apparently like you kind of were okay well i'm going to pivot again what did you learn from all that b business that's helped you build a better a business
0: well you know because the volume of business we were doing it just really helped me know the system start to finish how to get from step one to step two to step three with your client whether it's taking an efficient application or closing the lead call to application to getting documents a hundred percent of the time and sending a file off to a lender with the expectation it's going to get approved because it is thorough it's well put together putting in that time in the beginning because you know i've had to do that we had to do that with the type of business we were getting but also you know with the amount of business we were getting so to take those kind of pieces and then start something fresh with it it really helped and yeah and it did get really busy
1: Okay, so yeah, what you're talking about really, what I call customer journey, which is that first contact, each mm-hmm. step of the way, what happens, who does it. And you guys had that dialed like for sure on that funding department. So you just applied mm-hmm. that exact same principle to this. So if you don't mind me asking, so then how has this last 14 months gone for you in terms of units? So I know that we're going to talk about people obsessed with volume, but are you okay answering that question how you did?
0: Yeah. No, no, for sure. Definitely a bit of an open book about all that. We're all here to be busy and make money. And I've learned there's different ways to be a part of this industry and to be a broker in this industry, whether it be how many deals you want to do or how much volume you want to do or how much staff you want to have. At the end of the day, how much money do you want to make? Because that will dictate what my lifestyle looks like. What am I doing in the company? What is my role? So We started about halfway through 2020. We did about 35 million in the last six months, because we basically told the world, and I say we, it was Bart and I basically kind of starting the online marketing and showing up at the office every day in Terrace. So from June to December, it was 35 million. And then if you look at our rolling 12-month average, and our average deal size is about 340,000, by the way. So I'd say in the last 12 months, we've closed probably around 180, 190 files for about a 65 million in funded volume. So to do that out of the gates, like it was kind of like the leads and the inquiries, it was overwhelming. So we had to implement those systems that I would at least had experience with right away. And that definitely helped. We went from a team of two to a team of four in the first two months. I just said, okay, we need help. So I hired Melanie, hired Jackie. And so the four of us were basically in our spots, you know, in the deal flow process. From start to finish, there was four of us basically from September onwards. So within the first two to three months, we had to sort out what that looks like and how we're all going to work together.
1: So prior to you focusing on this regional niche of like where you are, like how much business did you get into that area in the year before? Was there a lot of business? Was it? No,
0: no, I don't think so. I mean, uh, just in my career in the last eight years, I've always kind of had the number in my head that Northwestern BC was about 10 Percent of our total funded volume. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was originally located full time basically in Langley, even though I'd be up there quite often, you know, flying up there. It wasn't ever marketed specifically up there. So setting up the office in Terrace and doing the ads and being present and, you know, going to the real estate offices and just being a part of the community, I think that was substantial.
1: Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so next thing I want to ask you about is what's the difference that you found. You're obviously from Langley, down the you know Vancouver region. What's the difference, mm-hmm. you know, growing a business and marketing in a small town that you found, and you're now building another kind of office in Langley, right, Fort Langley. So by, Fort Langley, you know, yeah, right. Yeah, so tell me about yeah. what you've noticed the differences between
0: being in a small community
1: versus a large one.
0: I think the focus, like the focus on the community, the focus on not just the marketing, but Like being there and and getting to know the local business owners, I mean, that, that was huge. Like well over half of the files that we get are, oh, my friend told me to call you or you did my mom's mortgage or, hey, thanks for doing our mortgage. Can you help my son or daughter? It's so much more referral based. So that's been awesome,
1: <laughs> right? Relationship. Okay. So, yeah. An example of something you did when you were in these communities that really helped you get traction because you guys got traction very quickly. So, can you think of some examples? I know you're creative market. There was one was the video that I saw, but like, what are the kind of things? Funny <laughs> works
0: well, so for me, it was kind of like it was layering in being top of mind. So sure, we had a website that no one knew about, and sure we did some Facebook ads you know, which was, I would say, probably not even new for the area, you know, True North Mortgage and other mortgage brokers. Lots of other brokers do business in the Northwest. They're just not there physically. So I was like, well, how do we layer in that being top of mind? So I talked to the local business owners and try to work out like a relationship from a marketing perspective. Like, for example, there's three Tim Hortons in Terrace, And I talked to the owner and he said, we get about a thousand cars a day through each of our drive throughs Well, there's only 18,000 people that live in Terrace. So clearly everybody goes to Hortons. So I made these eight foot by four foot or whatever they are, banners with my face on it. And that's something I'd never done before either as a broker is market me, Adam Coltish. It was always a brand, you know, the name of our brokers, you know, call the company and then you'll talk to one of us. It's always been that approach. So I said, let's change all that. And let's do, call Adam Coltish, right? Mm. And because a lot of successful realtors do that, they want to work with Scott, they calling Scott. They want to work with right. Scott. And Scott may have a team, but it's not some name that's not your name. They're calling Scott right. Beckford, right? So anyways, so I did that. And we put up these banners at each of the Tim Hortons drive throughs They're massive Dominion Lending Centers, Adam Coltish banners. And then I did a billboard actually on the highway near the airport, which thousand people a day. So it was layering in where and how people saw me. And then being there and then having the office, we did a big launch with the giant Dominion Lending Center signs on the office building, which is next to REMAX, which is across from Starbucks, which is the only Starbucks in Terrace. So it was like, man, you're driving through his town. You're going through Tim Hortons. I'm looking on my phone. I'm driving We're on the highway. It's just everywhere. Adam, 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 Adam. Yeah. yeah. And you had to spend some money. It was like, you know, you got to invest money into that. But it to me, it works in a small town because nobody else is doing it or very few people are doing it, right? Where there's lots of billboards, you know, in Langley or Chilliwack or wherever, right? So that's kind of why, at least in a small town, you get to start small. Like if it was me and I was like a realtor in Garrison Crossing in Chilliwack, I would try to have that layered approach right there. And then the referrals will come from people who aren't there and that'll happen. But if you start with that Multifaceted approach, I would say in a small space, I think it's really effective for the people who are there and then your business can grow.
1: Right. So you basically took a layered approach to marketing and becoming basically not a local celebrity, but being known enough that people start to call you. And then how long did it take for it to actually get traction? So, you know, you decide, Hey, I'm going to set up this office Mm -hmm. in this area. I'm going to go niche, local guy. How long did that take?
0: It was the same week or two. In 30 days, I think we had like 80 or 90 lead calls. Right. It was instantaneous, yeah. But, you know, it was coming into spring. It was May 1st, basically, last year. I mean, it was during COVID, but very soon after that is when the real estate market took off basically nationally. Like the COVID restrictions kind of came off in what, June, right? At least for real estate too. Realtors figured out how to operate within the COVID restrictions and then things kind of picked up. But yeah, I mean, I just timed it to where it was like, Facebook, banners, all that stuff, just all at the same time. Oh, almost. So we
1: call it a thunderclap. Remember, we talked about this before. Tim Ferriss yeah, talks exactly. about the idea yeah. that when he comes out with a book, he wants to be everywhere. So he sets up all these interviews with podcasters and bloggers. Mm-hmm. And then when the book comes out, it's like it's everywhere. And so you did a thunderclap, yeah. if you will, when you decided yeah. to open your brokerage in Terrace, but you did it with different medium, digital, you know, local. And we
0: did radio, too. Actually, I paid $900 a month to be on the local FM station. So it was everywhere. Right.
1: Yeah. And so when you invest all in like that, and the thing is, you knew how to do mortgages, you knew how to build systems to scale lots of mortgage volume. So
0: you weren't brand new going, I don't even know which way is up. So, you know, yeah, we could deal with it. As soon as the first call started coming in, it was like into PipeDrive, like we use pipedrive.com. It was into PipeDrive, get the docs list, like app done. So, it was kind of like I started the marketing and I knew when it was all going to kind of show up. And then, yeah, immediately it was like, how do we deal with the business? And thankfully it all worked. I mean, it's a lot of time and money to spend in a market that hasn't had that service necessarily before, but for anyone to do that anywhere, it's a lot to put up front and then, you know, hopefully it'll work. But I guess the thing is it will work. You just make it work. Right.
1: Okay. So are you okay chatting about your Langley thing that you're doing? Fort Langley. Yeah, no, I mean, it's now you're super brand new office. So tell me about what made you choose Fort Langley and how you're going to apply the lessons from your previous things into Fort Langley.
0: Well, it all starts with 2020 also brought me and Amber, my partner, a son. So we have a baby boy. His name's Nova Coltish. And that- Congrats, by the way. My daughter just got much. a
1: driver's license today, so this is like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm further
0: heading, but I'm like, this is crazy. She's got a Holy man, and they changed so quickly. I mean, I'm already noticing it. He's only seven months old. So, you know, last year while I was setting up, you know, this huge footprint up in the northwest thinking, you know, this is where life's going to be and all that, you know, we find out that we're having a baby. And Amber's from Langley, Surrey, all of her brother, sister, relatives, everything, you know, which is a large part of where my family base is too. So, It was just kind of like, all right, well, when this all happens, i will see what's happening with my business up here. And then obviously I'll come down, you know, basically full time. So she was super patient while I was up there all year, basically setting up the business, flying down, you know, spending time down here when I could, but I was, you know, neck deep in what I was doing up in the Northwest and it was working and enjoying it. So we balanced that out. And then, yeah, he was born super early in September. So I basically just kind of popped out of terrorism back down into Langley And you can obviously work remotely doing this business. And I was doing that, but, you know, driving around, I just started to think, well, if I'm going to be down here this much, maybe I can kind of add to this, you know, machine that's been built in the Northwest. And yeah, one thing led to another. So I purchased a storefront in the heritage building here in Fort Langley. Well, and the thing is now, I mean, I live in Fort Langley, so I walk across the parking lot and I'm here at my office. That's ultimately the lifestyle really that I've always wanted, like, Forever with this industry. So it's kind of all come together there. So in doing so, it's like we have the staff running, the business is going. I'm still up north every two weeks, flying up there. And this is going to be like a brokerage storefront here in Fort Langley. And what I've learned about Fort Langley is it has that small town feel. All the business owners here wanted to know who was moving into this space, what had happened. You know, it hadn't been sold in 25 years. And I've gotten to know them. And there is that very similar local feel here in Fort Langley, like I love and have experienced in Terrace, Kitimat, and Prince Rupert, even though this little community sits amongst the lower mainland. So that's been super awesome. So the familiarity of what I'm building here it's, is all too real. It feels the same way. way. Yeah. So that's great. This Fort Langley office is basically a month or two up and going and it's still coming together, but yeah, it's going to be, that's
1: awesome. It's gonna be okay. So Thanks. The last thing I want to talk about is just the ideal staff to file ratio and mm-hmm talked about this in the past, but like when's enough enough? There seems to be an obsession with like, you know, more volume and more volume, like at what cost of time and everything. And so what kind of things do you think about when you're thinking about, you know, ideal staff to file ratio?
0: Yeah. So what I think I've learned about that is there's a lot of ways to run your mortgage business. And I think the optimal way is definitely a personal preference because you have options. You can be an individual broker. You can have one assistant or two, or you can have a team of seven or eight or 12, which obviously can only be supported by more volume but at the end of the day if you're the owner or the broker you have to say how busy do i want to be how tied and obligated do i want to be to showing up in my office every morning at nine o'clock or having one or two or five or eight people dependent upon my role in the company every day because then you build yourself into a job you become tied to the company because it literally requires you to be there or maybe in some cases you've built your business where you don't have to which is a different model altogether, I guess. So it's a personal preference is what I'm trying to say, because you can do this business many different ways with staff driven by volume. For me personally, you know, I have my own financial goals and things like that. And so I think the model that suits me best is what I'm doing now. It's basically two to three support staff doing different roles, because you have to remember that when you add people, you are adding communication amongst those people. And that's what mm-hmm. i found is that, you know, I can take an application and pull credit and underwrite the file and send the documents list and move the deal from stage one to stage two in you know 20-25 minutes now it might take interacting with two or three staff to do that just as much time right because you're asking someone to take an app and then they're taking it and then you're asking someone to make a doc i don't know anyways automation so there's different ways i guess but for me personally it's probably that model you know what i mean it's amazing that when you systemize this business you do have options. You have options. You can be a lone ranger doing it yourself, or you can have one assistant or seven staff, underwriters, what do they call it? Account managers, all that stuff. You can. So I don't know. It depends on what you want out of it. Right. So it sounds like what you're saying is
1: that, you know, there's business design and lifestyle design, and you want to have something where those two things intersect. It's like one of those Mm -hmm. Venn diagrams where it's like in the center is like lifestyle, business, you know, income, And those three circles that are overlap that's kind of like, I want to be in here and I don't need to have, you know, 10 Mm -hmm. staff in order for that to accomplish what I want. Yeah.
0: It's easy math, right? If you say I want to do a hundred million dollars a year and to do that, I require, you know, two staff and an office. Okay. Well, out of your, you know, net income of a hundred million, whatever you might be making off of that 800 to a million dollars a year, you immediately got to take out salaries and payroll deductions and all of these things. And then what's your net going to be? Is your net going to be, 650 right okay well if my goal is to make you know i don't know it's easy math to figure out however much you want to take home you add on the overhead and reverse backwards but it's not just about the money it's about your time and obligation to ensuring that that operation keeps going you don't think you can work you know four to six hours a day and do that kind of volume just because you are depending on your staff to get it all done i don't know if that's possible but you can work four to six hours a day and do 25 to 40 million and have one or two staff or whatever. Right. And then one staff member, maybe two max. Yeah,
1: totally. So what you're making me think of as you're talking about this is that it's like there's net income, but there's also net time. So what is my huge reverse engineer? What is my net income that I want to make? Don't Mm -hmm. think about volume. And the second thing is what is my net time? What is my day, week, month, and then reverse engineer the business from there, not just be, hey, it's got to be bigger, bigger, bigger. Because yeah. you guys did, when you guys were doing the funding department, like you were doing a lot of, like, it was busy, right? Like, there was a lot of leads. Mm-hmm. And, like, what would be a typical month for the number of leads that you guys would have to sort through? 160
0: to 180. Yeah, a lot. Oh, of- yeah. It was a solid, you know, 2000 leads in a year. And your phone's nonstop ringing, right? Yeah. And that's amazing. And we were super proud of it. But at the end of the day, what do you want out of it, right? What do right. you want? And having Nova has been amazing for being able to say, "Whoa, buddy, you know, what do you want to build? What do you want to have it look like?" Right. But I think the journey has been amazing in so much as there is so much diversity in how mortgage brokers can run their business successfully. You can, mm-hmm. you can do whatever way you want, almost. So it comes down to personal preference. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, what it sounds it's, it, just you know, that, interesting it's just that it's just that balance is that uh, the word Nova means new. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know this. But like so yeah. you're doing something new from your previous experience. I mean, you were a border guard before and you mortgage broker, you know, now you're doing this. And so you're creating something new, but you're using a different set of criteria to decide what's important. It's like, okay, absolutely. Two thousand leads a year, great. That's awesome. But does that sustain the net income and net lifestyle I want? Uh eh, maybe not. Maybe I need to adjust. And so I think it's awesome that you're figuring this stuff out, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it seems to me too, that like a lot of people can get just stuck on the volume treadmill, just volume, volume, volume. And then they end up with business that they hate, you know, five years later, they're like, man, I'm burnt out. This sucks. I don't enjoy this anymore. And it's like, don't get on that treadmill decide no. Maybe you're on elliptical instead. You're like, no, I don't want to be on I'm going to get an elliptical. It's a little more balanced. Upper body, lower body. I don't know. That's a bad metaphor.
0: Well, just even on social media, I've seen a lot of people, you know, like you got to work from home. You know, there's no events to go to, no parties, no appreciation nights, none of that stuff, no BDMing, you know, running around and whatever. And it's like, okay, well, what's important to me, right? I'm working from home. I need to make some income. What does my business look like? Anyways. And then, you know, for me, it was like changing business twice, having a son, moving again and whatever. So last year, I've probably helped a lot of people or at least show a lot of people how to refocus things, you know, take what you know, and maybe do something different. I think 2020, the word of the year was pivot. <laughs> I saw that a lot of places. Yeah,
1: totally. That's what this whole show is. about. Okay, awesome, man. Well, hey, thank you for taking Thanks, time me again. I always love seeing what you're up to creatively. Send me that video, the axe, because it was an awesome video. If you still have it somewhere on YouTube.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, it's on my Facebook page. I'll send, you send the link. Me a link yeah.
1: that. I want to check that out. If you're listening, I think Adam's a very creative guy. And so this was just one example of how he basically helped you identify with your local market you understood those people Were you're one of us you know
0: that's the way i took yeah we start. went to the brewery went to the bridge exactly yeah yeah there's Lots a whole of bunch of like we're showing
1: you top level but there's a whole bunch of like underneath <laughs> the strategy that went into that that makes that kind of self-effective but check that out and adam thanks so much brother for taking the time congrats on nova and congrats on your business just continuing to grow thanks for having me cheers this is an i love mortgage brokering production.